Hello everyone, uh, welcome to the third episode of the ILN talk show. I am Tasnima Jis, the Islam uh, and Liberty Editorial Associate, and today we're going to be discussing a very important um, topic, which is uh, post-Islamism in Muslim societies. We are very happy to have Dr. Hosnul Amin with us. Dr. Hosnul Amin is the ILN Pakistan Fellow. He is the Fulbright uh, Research Fellow at the Stockton University at G New Jersey, Associate Professor of Politics and um, Executive Director of the Iqbal International Institute for Research and Dialogue in the Islamic University of Islamabad. Dr. Hosnul Amin, we're very happy to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, before exploring the notion of post-Islamism, let's start by trying to define Islamism itself. It's really a very you know, controversial uh, concept in itself. It has been debated both academically um, and publicly, and it's commonly known as a term that refers to um, diverse for forms of social and political activism, um, advocating uh, that public and political life should be guided by Islamic principles. Um, do, would, you, would this be your definition of Islamism? So thank you, Tasneem. And uh, <clears throat> of course, this is the obvious question before uh, having a discussion on post-Islamism, just to briefly discuss what is actually Islamism. And uh, so at the very outset, let me uh, discuss two, three points, and then we can just uh, try to define the concept. Sure. So in the background, I would say, I think there is a global consensus uh, emerging or emerged, uh, at least among the academicians, that what is Islamism actually, you know? So, uh, you know, before uh, uh, this understanding of Islamism is a very closed kind of militant kind of uh, Islamic manifestation, yeah. it has been criticized. So the varieties, the diversity, in Muslim societies as well as its Islamist manifestations has been taken into account by the academic community. So it's a good thing which actually uh, happened that to appreciate uh, the diversity, the plurality in Islamist organizations as well as their ideological frameworks, their organizational structures and their approaches to social and economic change. So given that in the background, uh, Islamism is basically a political ideology that actually believes in reordering of the state as well as society mm -hmm. uh, in the light of an understanding of Islam, which actually they think provide some parameters and some guidance to bring about a social and economic change in society. But primarily the focus is actually the state, not society. The state is actually like for me, people can disagree with this understanding. But for me, a typical Islamism would be actually that believes in, in you know, unsettling the existing state and then reordering and recreating it with, with a kind of Medina state or what, whatever, an ideal mm -hmm. Islamic state. So that yeah. is something very essential, actually, in the, the belief and the ideology of Islamism. The second thing is actually, uh, you know, uh, as ideology, 
islamism tries to you know uh, blur the boundaries between an individual obligation and a social obligation and a community obligation mm-hmm. so they think actually this is an, ob- an obligation on every single individual muslim to struggle for creating the state okay. and the third thing i would say is actually with a top down approach so mostly they would believe in uh, creating a change from above and if there would be a bottom up approach then there could be actually something else so uh, my final i i would say conclusion about this would be that islamism is diverse there are variants of islamism and we can discuss that later or in in your next next discussion and it's not always militant it's not always democratic it is not always institutional so there's a variety there's a whole range of variety actually across mm-hmm. countries across cultures across societies so the, the definition of islamism would be it has several definitions so that's the yeah. conclusion <laughs> okay multiple islamisms yeah. i would yeah. say yeah 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 sure. so yeah. let's jump onto the you know the topic and try to define post islamism well the term itself has been originally coined uh, by Iranian political sociologist Asif Bayat as you know in a 1996 uh, essay published in the journal Middle East Critique um he explained that as um i quote a condition where following a phase of experimentation the appeal energy symbols and sources of legitimacy of islamism get exhausted um even among its once ardent supporters as such post islamism is not anti islamic but rather reflects a tendency to re-secularize religion um what do you think of of bayat's definition you know to see my largely i would say i agree with this definition okay and i have used the same definition in my work and have relied relied upon that and have actually made some addition to that definition and understanding as well which i will discuss uh, shortly okay so post islamism would be like you know the post thing uh, why do we need to add that post you know yeah yeah so, <laughs> so something has really really gone wrong with islamism so a post islamist uh, movement or intellectual or activist would actually consider that there is something wrong with with the previous notion of like the islamism and that that's why we need actually a post so we need to to do something which is either consciously deliberately omitted deleted from the idea of this uh, bringing mm-hmm. about change or something has been added which is actually not in the essential part mm-hmm. of islam or of the political there is an islam. improvement yeah so there is an improvement yeah in what so, area so uh, i think there are a few areas one is you know there is a conceptual shift actually so i think initially it was actually uh, an intellectual challenge for mm-hmm. most muslim intellectuals scholars ulama maybe somewhere mm-hmm. in different countries in their own contexts because what happened in the 80s and 90s as you just mentioned referred to bayat's uh, discussion there were several experimentations you see in sudan we know in iran the khomeini yeah. revolution in afghanistan another kind 
And then, you know, in Saudi Arabia, this conflation of Salafi and ideology and, and the king. And yeah. then in Pakistan, Islamization by Ziaul Haq. So, you know, different kind of experimentations were made to reorder the state and society with different approaches. But there were serious critiques which actually emerged in the 90s as well. So we see in Iran, for example, uh, uh, some of the post-Islamists were actually uh, ardent supporters of the Iranian Khomeini revolution. Mm -hmm. And then even in Pakistan, uh, most of the post-Islamists, as I categorize them, for example, they were actually once ardent believers in the ideology of political Islam and even militant Islam at times as well. But yeah. what they did, like, they started criticizing the very basic assumptions, the very basic vocabulary, terms and categories of political Islam, which are used in various ways, in different connotations and in different settings. And then, came, then they came up with a new interpretation of the religious text as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, it also actually matters. Uh, you are discussing post-Islamism in which setting? So yes. my work is actually mostly related to Pakistan, but there is actually a shared, you know, uh, there is actually uh, a shared space in yes. which you can see that post-Islamism is more about rights of individuals, rights of minorities, uh, youth concerns, exactly. women, as Bayat has, has discussed in detail, these yes. things. And then I think, one major shift was actually bringing about change from from with a bottom-up approach. So focusing yeah. society, uh, civil society, media, and these uh, arenas more than actually the state. Mm -hmm. So th this is a kind of discussion that uh, comes across in when yeah. we discuss post-Islamism. Yeah. So speaking of um, you know rights, women's rights and other youth rights, um, I was reading through uh, Asif Bayat's essay and I found this very important quote uh, where, where he says, post-Islamism is neither anti-Islamic, un-Islamic, nor is it secular. Rather, it represents an endeavor to fuse religiosity and rights, faith and freedom, Islam and liberty. And we're interested in this side, in this political freedom and um, you know, uh, religious freedom and Islam and liberty network. So when I read this, I, I have a question. I would say, doesn't Islam already encompass all these values? Like, why do we need to have a post? As if we, we're suggesting that Islam is, in essence, isn't about right, freedom, or liberty. Are, are the, so, so I would assume that in Islamism, they did not really um, tra translate uh, the values of Islam in reality. So they needed to come up with another concept to, you know, to just correct it. So, you know, since we are actually focusing more on Bayat's understanding, so I would like to quote uh, Bayat, another paper by Bayat, which is actually, he is saying, asking the right question mm -hmm. about democracy and Islam. You might have studied that. Yeah. So he's saying, actually, this is a wrong question, asking that whether Islam and democracy are compatible or not. The right question would be, who is creating that compatibility between Islam and democracy. Yeah. The reason is what? The reason is actually is our classical traditional definition of Islam would be, that would be like whatever is there in Quran and Sunnah or in Hadith, for example. So the textual sources 
do not speak for themselves there should be somebody a scholar an alim a religious uh, cleric or a state or an institution which actually need to define what does the text mean related to certain situation for example gender or minority or youth for example so yeah. creating these bridges between the text and the context that is actually more important than the very static of idea so okay i we agree this there's these values are actually enshrined in islam but the thing is that how to relate those values to society to a modern order how to bring it because you know a militant who is there uh, fighting you know as a private uh, group of of jihadi group he is also quoting the same verses from the quran which are actually quoted by for example uh, by a post islamic scholar who is a critic of that so but the know, context is different yeah the context so so what is there is interpretative struggle there is a struggle and contestation in interpretation people have come up with new hermeneutics new interpretation techniques so that to come up with uh, to come up with a meaning which is actually more inclusive which is less uh less less exclusive you know which can take into account diverse shades and cultural shades of of society mm-hmm. but if we look back 1400 years ago in the constitution or the charter of medina uh, you know all the rights of minorities christians jews and non-believers were taken care of um so so the prophet muhammad peace be upon him was uh, a prophet but also uh, a political leader so an islam is packed with many um religious and political regulations so if they were able to do that back then what really changed nowadays after all these years like there is a, mis- a misunderstanding of, of of islam so you know uh i think that would be the beauty of of islam that it uh i think this is mentioned by you know uh, this very famous surush uh, iranian mm-hmm. scholar that you know you need something fixed which is actually not changing and then you need something which is actually changing you know yeah. because there is a degree of dynamism in in society so uh, what is happening you have the fixed thing which is the text and it is always there so you can always revert back to that text interpreted reinterpreted and then reinterpreted accordingly but the you have changing conditions actually changing situation so although the text was there but you didn't have this modern bureaucratized uh, legal hierarchical state for example at that time you didn't have these modern bureaucracies you didn't have this modern system of transportation and the postal system and so many things so the values were there and you can actually always build new systems on on the basis of values but a complete and detailed uh, charter of a system for example an economic system or political system or social system i think that would be uh, against the very essence of islam that's mm-hmm. what i understand because if everything was given uh, there then actually you lose the ground for ijtihad and for Absolutely. change and for dynamism in in society so you need actually both this fixed thing 
fixed text so that there is something where you can always actually go back and read it. Yeah. And then you need actually this dynamism, which was called the principle of moment movement in uh, Iqbal's reconstruction of religious thought. Yeah. Right. But we're still having those two sides. We're still in the realm of, is, of Islam itself. So we wouldn't need to say that post-Islamism is there to secularize religion because that's these are the definitions that, that I'm found, finding um, in, in different articles. They, they would say that you know post-Islamism is a way to secularize the state and to make sure that it's not only about religion and giving da'wah, which is Islamic evangelism and all of these things. We have to make sure that religion is out of the way and post-Islamists are there to, you know, they believe in, in parties and political parties and the civil state. But, you know, it's still part of, of, of Islam, you know? So this, this is the, you know, the, the, the contra controversy. So, you know, I think uh, these are heuristic concepts, you know? And uh, it is up to the scholar to, to define what does he mean by this concept? So mm -hmm. what what actually uh, Bayat and what what actually uh, students like us actually who, who follow Bayat in this, we all mean by this concept that it is not something secular, it is not something a-religious or anti-religious, yeah. because the reason is actually uh, they they believe in reinterpretation of of the same text, they are creating bringing new energy into those concepts, for example. And so, you know, uh, the beautiful thing is, for example, you are from Tunisia, so the Tunisian experience of this Muslim democracy or Muslim democracy. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So I was listening to, I think it was uh, uh, Somaya Ghanoushi, or, uh, yeah, one of his daughters. Mm -hmm. Beautifully, beautifully, like she explained this thing. And I think that was uh, wonderful. She said that actually, you know, uh, uh, we are not secular. We are Muslims, but we are not against uh, secularism. We are not against like uh, democracy. So uh, we bring like creating a fusion between the two. And yeah, that so during the pan the pandemic, um, I think in Pakistan the congregational uh, prayers did not stop the Friday prayers, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that that was because you know religious um, you know religious people and religious authorities intervened and um, they did not want it to stop um, and we have other cases in the Muslim world as well um, whether in other countries like in Tunisia we didn't even have that debate it, they just the mosque closed because it was a medical urgency and even you know the religious authorities explained that and justified that from a religious perspective so. Do we is this Islamism and post-Islamism, or how do we how do we ah. differentiate <laughs> between both cases? It's, it's a beautiful question, actually. I would say it's a post-Islamist society you have, and we are still passing through this. Uh... No, I think I, I will I will you know articulate on this in another way. Uh, Pakistan is having its own history in relation to religion, Islam, and you know, Islamic institutions and clergy, for example, and madrasas as well. So mm -hmm. there is an autonomous sphere. Uh, and there's a long history, of course, we need actually another debate on that and another okay. discussion on that. It's a huge uh, uh, discussion about that, actually how uh, 
uh, first state used Islam and uh, religious beliefs and religious uh, emotions, for example, of people and the society for different political uh, causes. And then now society has taken control of, of that thing, you know, not society, but the clergy and the madrasas and the religious class, actually. Mm -hmm. So it has become very difficult to bring legal reforms which pertain to some uh, something uh, which relates to religion, for example. So it has become very difficult because, you know, the religious forces in the autonomous sphere in madrasas, mosques, and in the civil society, they have a huge presence and which is actually controlling the state. So mm -hmm. uh, I think I would say like, as happened in Tunisia, uh, it should have been the other way around. For example, if they were issuing fatwa, uh, verdicts, the religious uh, ulama, yeah. they should have taken permission from the state whether we should issue this or not. But it was yeah. happening the other way around, actually. The state mm -hmm. was actually, you know, uh, was very apologetic and was requesting them not to do this and not to. So, you know, it's a different configuration in, in Pakistan for historical, sociological, economic, political, and cultural reasons, mm -hmm. which luckily is not the case in Tunisia up till now. Yeah. Although yeah. there are some incidents and some. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But not, not, not as a phenomenon, you know. Is, is the case in Pakistan. But as, yeah. as far as, you know, uh, rights, minority rights, women's rights and youth rights are concerned, what is the best model? What is the best, um, you know, uh, choice between, um, you know, wh what are the good things in post-Islamism that are not there in Islamism or uh, does post-Islamism itself need some improvements as well um, in, in, in this regard? Uh, I would say like, you know, uh, there are some conceptual shifts, some developments, some new literature, some new understandings have come across about, you know, this conceptualizing women in, in Muslim society. Yeah. You know, she didn't have an independent legal uh, personality in, in, in Muslim society. And there were so many issues around like, okay, again, Tunisia and Pakistan are different. Bangladesh and Pakistan are different. Malaysia and Indonesia is different. Yeah. So not uh, considering every society like uh, uh, homogeneous. Generally speaking, like. yeah. Yeah, generally speaking. But I think there are some conceptual shifts which actually provide more empowering, liberating space to women and her mobility, her visibility in society, her social and political role. And there are few things which have been accepted by the Islamists as well. For example, women participation in politics. If yeah. you go into the classical understanding of Islamism, of women role, they were not in favor of women's uh, participation in politics. Yes. But you know, as opportunities expanded and as uh, they could see like uh, the challenges, for example, so uh, they became themselves custodians of women's uh, liberation as well in some spheres and yeah. at least in the polit political sphere. But I think there is the domain of culture, the domain of uh, social sphere, and we still, again, I am focusing on Pakistan. The women is having several challenges, mostly coming from religious and specifically the conservative 
religious classes mm-hmm. and then there's a conflation of you know religion and this patriarchy this traditional uh, you know tribal notions of patriarchy yeah. this conflation has created so many confusions which is not uh, providing a level playing field for women in in yeah. in most muslim societies but pakistan is is a brilliant example in that yeah but even if there is like a representation of women in politics sometimes it's still symbolic so we can see women in parliament but they're not really heard enough they're just you know their presence is symbolic um and i think this is still you know happening in many um muslim majority countries that claim themselves post islam you know post islamic you know because they have women represent, represented in politics but still they're not really effectively working um so do you think we're we're still we're still in that level or we have to go beyond that i think we are going beyond that and we will be going beyond that you cannot stop actually uh, uh, the you know this is a evolution mm-hmm. and course of history and we can go the other way around as well sure. as for example turkey is showing just another uh, kind of development uh, as i told that's a return of islamism So you know yeah. so many things actually keep changing and uh, uh it's very difficult So even if we reach the the summit even if we reach the summit um and you know people are having all their rights guaranteed it's still dangerous because we can always flip to the other side uh so what are the guarantees not to do that I think that's what human uh, society and civilization is actually you know yeah. this it's actually this beautiful uh couplet by the poet ikbal that actually this is life you know this yeah. uh, you fly high and then you 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 know you, yeah. you attack your enemy and then you change your your course and you know so mm-hmm. this is like uh, this is what actually it is this is life and there is a degree of dynamism in in life and society and it will keep evolving keep changing there is no stop to that that thing there is no full stop to that Yeah. That's really yeah. a great note, a beautiful note to end on. I just want to ask if you have any further comments on this um vast topic. I think uh, as a final note I would say uh you know a few things but mainly one issue is you know this cross borrowing and learning from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh when when you close the boundaries uh you know and you say this is as this is it as it was the case here the west versus the rest or you know these oriental kind of categories yeah. orientalism and other stuff so we shouldn't also in the kind of reverse orientalism we shouldn't also uh, shouldn't close the boundaries as well you know uh, if there is actually uh, an evolution in human thinking and understanding of of issues for example we as muslims should keep ourselves or minds or brands open to to new things and mm-hmm. i think that would be the beauty of, of a muslim society which keeps uh itself open to new things which keeps evolving which keeps uh, you know assessing and reassessing its its course mm-hmm. it it is correcting its wrongs wrong doings in in the past and it is just very futuristic looking at the future that uh, how things will unfold and how to prepare oneself and 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 one society to cope with those challenges 
-hmm. And this is at the heart of Islam, because some people would label this as a progressivist kind of thinking, which it is so, but it's still at the heart of Islam, because as Muslims, we're encouraged to do that. Um, I'm just annoyed because a lot of people think that this is not part of Islam, because we as Muslims have misrepresented it, maybe. But it's still at the heart of Islam to, you know, to look to the future and be open-minded, as open-minded as we can, right? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, yeah, you rightly put it. And uh, again, uh, there's a theoretical Islam, you know, Absolutely. And, then, yeah. and then, then we Muslims, which is actually the practical demonstration of that. So mm -hmm. Islam is known by, by, by our actions, actually, is known to the world by our own actions. You cannot compare, for example, people do comparing, you know, Islamic values with the real practice of the West. They say, yeah. you know, this thing was in Islam and this thing was in Islam. Okay, but, but where it is in the Muslims? True. Where is it available uh, in which society, for example? democratic values, freedoms, justice, social justice, economic justice, and different things, you know. So I think this practice, uh, this practical, uh, you know, uh, demonstration of whatever values we have, that would be something which we can, uh, we can uh, demonstrate as that, okay, this is Islam and th these are Muslims. So uh, I don't think that is the case, actually, yeah. We are yeah. comparing values with with practice, you know. We yeah. have good values, okay, theory, but what other societies are doing, for example, in the West. So these are not comparable uh, concepts, True. actually. Yeah. yeah. True, true. So, yeah, so I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Dr. Hassan. I mean, I'm looking forward to ha um, having you as a guest again in our island talk shows, and I'm sure our viewers enjoyed your insights and would love to have you again with us thank you so much thank you thank you so much goodbye goodbye